We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it begins. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We are services so trent so far <clears throat> hello good to see you it's been a while we have a podcast here we are we took a week off yeah cruise palooza is are, are, did we lose any steam um i choose not to look at the analytics anymore it only makes me unhappy why did we take the week off uh, we had to record this intro, and it was Thanksgiving break, and our schedules got kind of busy, and then Sunday came along, and you texted me, we should probably record sometime soon, and I said, we are taking the week off. I made the executive decision. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's fine. I think we've earned... Uh, our last break was uh, just before doing Jaw Summer, and that was just so long ago, you know? Yeah. Haven't we earned just this? Is so this not enough? So much has happened. Speaking of so much that's happened, there's so much that's been eaten, mm. so much that's been consumed, and I'd like to know what, what you have eaten most recently, and maybe I already know the answer to this question. We baked some cookies that we got some from uh, Pillsbury cookie dough that we got from Krausers, and we made it in the oven, and uh, they were so, they, I wanted to make all of them at once, so they were so concentrated on the baking sheet that they all kind of grew into one, like, collective thing. But once you cut it up, it kind of doesn't make a difference. Mm. But good, had two of them. Here we are. I'm so frantic that I'm relieved that we're not doing an episode and that we're just doing the intro, because I, I don't know if you're in the place mentally to record a whole discussion either. No. Um, but I am in a place to tell you what I've been eating most recently. You're part. You're good at that. Yeah. Mm. Um, keep, keep I went into New York to do my internship at Thunder mm. Road Pictures. Go see John mm. McFour, everybody. Um, and while I was there, I bought two slices of pizza. Normal pizza. Normal pizza. I. Th- th- it was. It was kind of funny because it was like an Italian. Like these, these were they had like New York accents, and they were like talking like I'm a fucking New Yorker, like like, and it was like, whoa, you actually talk like that. That's that's interesting. I mean, I guess that's why people do the accents. Is yeah, um, but yeah, that's what I've been eating. Do we do we have any other things to say? Do we just cue the intro or? Yeah, no. Let's go to the part part where we talk about the movie of the week this week on our show. Kill the intro. <laughs> did you like that voice? I did, Parth. We've really been reduced to, to mush by this point. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week we are talking about... We are talking with Clint Wallace about Michael Mann's Collateral, and he was the set decorator. Yeah? Yes. Yep, and we also talked about some other cool movies he worked on, like The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, Top Gun Maverick. 
And of course, our film for today, Michael Mann's Collateral. Yes, and I wish I could tell you what we talk about specifically in this episode, given that this is a two-parter, but I have not yet edited this episode while we are recording this intro, I'm sorry to say. So for for current recording Trenton Parth, it's as much of a surprise as what you're going to listen to as future listener. Um, you know what I mean? That or well, current listener for you, but future for us. But we're past for you, but current for us right now. It makes you think. I'm thinking. Yeah. No, you think a, you're a thinker. That's what they call you. That, that's what they say about you, right? Parth, we're really in the meat of Cruzapalooza. Jeez. I'm, I'm feeling the heat. You're feeling... What are you... Is, is the heat the only thing you feel? <clears throat> I'm feeling a lot of things. You're not feeling a need? No, no, I'm feeling some needs. A need for what? Everything's been, you know, a little slow, and uh, I'm just looking for some speed. And not not in the way, the bad way. In the... Grab it up your end. Listen to a howling in um in our last discussion in our magnolia discussion uh in the intro parth remember when i was away from mike getting my uh, vodka crayon and you sang like oh, the wow. entirety of that the song episode. I have not but you sang like two of your songs to completion and i left it all in the edit did you really intentionally yeah no it, it's wow. it, the 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 comic timing that is some humorous else. edits well, uh, I guess just speaking of humorous edits, let's just edit right into this interview, because it's a good one, you know? Us, Clint Wallace, Q's, A's, yes. Parth, And this Nate, is the last Clint. interview we recorded for this year. Did we? And yeah. so we just did the switcheroo. The well, Why put Collateral before War of the Worlds? Just said curiosity. It, it, I just did them in release order. Mm-hmm. So Magnolia, then that, That's just like the secret science, the secret sauce behind the science, you know? There's lots of sauces going on, cooking How the, so- cooking how the sausage, in, how the sausage science gets in made. The, and if there's one thing about craft services, it's a sausage fest, you know? Uh, yes and no. I don't want to be known for that. Yeah, no. I, I, the words left my mouth and I wasn't very happy with them. Well, but you know whose words we were happy with? Clint Wallace's, maybe. Hence, hence the interview. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think we should just like we should not not prolong the suffering that the stalling? listeners are going through. Mm. Stalling. Yeah, yeah. Stalling. Stalling. Sorry. Stalling. 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 stalling? Jordan. Stalling. 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 Is that friend of the show Jordan Sikafus in the background? <laughs> Wait. From the Nope discussion. The the very same. No, you guys haven't. Even no, it can't be her. Wait, she's not stalling the episode. Are you stalling? Stalling. 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 Don't, 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 don't. Cue the intro. Cue the intro. Pop, 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 pop. Rubbing our hands. They listen to her howling. There you need a touch and go.
Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Clint Wallace. He's worked on such films as The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, and Top Gun Maverick, and as well as our film for today, Michael Mann's Collateral. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, guys, and props to you guys for putting this together. I think um, it's, you know, a, a, a good lesson for for young filmmakers to realize, you know, you, you can reach out to people and, you know, people like to talk about themselves. So I'm sure like, it's impressive the list of people that you've had on so far, but it's good to take the initiative and do that. It's something I wish I would have done more of as a young person. The, the main lesson to be learned is how many successful people's emails are just their first initial last name at Gmail, and you can just kind of cold call them, and they, they respond, which is surprising. Yeah. The response is the most interesting thing. Because sometimes they're like, how'd you find me? I'm too famous for you. Yeah, but then they do it anyway. So to start off, I guess, just what was your relationship with film like at a young age? So I, I would say, and I'm sure I'm not the only one to probably say this, but Star Wars was a big one for me. I am old enough that I saw it in the theaters in the original release in 1977, 76, you know, in Seattle, lined up around the block to see it. And, um, after that I was, you know, buying all the making of books, the, the art of star Wars, how they made the, the, the land speeders, uh, levitate with the mirrors and all the miniatures. And, um, so, you know, and I, I was an art kid, I was into art. So that was definitely, um, an influence and, I also think, you know, early on, I, I kind of knew I was interested in making environments and creating alternate worlds for other people. It was something from Halloween mazes or whatever it was. And so like Disneyland, I was a, I was, I was a big fan of. And Walt Disney, um, there was this show called The Wonderful World of Disney that showed all these uh, some good, some bad Disney films in the in the late seventies, and would watch that religiously every Sunday night. So <clears throat> that kind of world building was always, uh, you know, a, a big influence for me. And um, a funny side note, you know, I, I now live in Los Feliz in Los Angeles, and I live on the street that Walt and Roy grew up on. And they bought their first house. And I found later in the house that I bought that there are these weird little Mickey Mouse doorknobs and things and leaned into the history and realized Walt Disney owned our house. The house actually slid down in, in the Northridge earthquake in 1989, but the foundation is still there and the old bricks. And so it just kind of a trip to think of you know, being a kid from Seattle and then living in Walt Disney's house, uh, Walt Disney's house. And then also uh, being employed by Disney with all the Marvel films, you know, the Disney's have uh, it all comes full circle. Yeah. Paid a fair amount of my salary along the way. So uh, predating Disney, how did you first find yourself on set in any capacity? So 
so like I said, so I grew up in Seattle and this was not cool Seattle like it is now. This There was no Nirvana. There was no Pearl, uh, you know, whatever grunge. There was no Amazon. There was no Microsoft. It was, it was a Boeing town that both my parents worked for. And so I never considered film as, you know, even a, a real thing. Never really even crossed my mind, even though I loved movies and I was into it. Um, but I, I went for a more kind of practical route and uh, got a degree in architecture. So undergraduate in math and art and then a graduate degree in architecture at UCLA. And, and so I was really committed uh, to architecture. And when I went to school there, it was a really exciting time uh, in architecture. We had, you know, Frank Gehry, Zaha Hadid, Daniel Liebskin, all as professors, Tom Main as professors or lecturers. And like, you know, those were my heroes and that's who I wanted to be like changing the face of architecture. So I, uh, you know, I worked for a firm, I got my license. I was there for a number of years. And uh, then a buddy of mine who went to school with me, who is now a very successful production designer said, Hey, why don't you come, join me on this film on Pluto Nash. So that was in 99. And I came on in a kind of weird capacity. Um, I, I was lucky that it was this this transitional time in art departments where the computer was starting to be introduced in 3D modeling, which was a novel thing. And so I had that skill set and so they kind of brought me on as a computer specialist, 3D specialist. Um, and that kind of pushed me also into, because there was only a handful of guys at the time that were doing it. So that pushed me into the kind of bigger film trajectory that I ended up on because only bigger films would need us or would afford us. So like, you know science fiction like serenity and pirates of the caribbean and men in black and all the marvel movies um that kind of was 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 my door in um but my, my joke you know I, I tell everybody is i never wanted to do film i thought i thought film was kind of slumming it you know architecture was a more noble uh profession and um you know that's that's real and film was something that you know, wasn't, but, you know, my perspective has certainly changed on that, especially after designing restaurants that no longer exist. Um, you know, a lot of architecture is not very permanent. Uh, it, it gets remodeled or destroyed and, and film, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean, it's, it lives on forever. Or So, so, yeah. So Pluto Nash, I'm also very proud that it's known as one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. And that was my first movie. Uh, so I wear that as a badge of honor for sure. But I, I met a lot of good people and there were a lot of amazing, talented people. And I was definitely hooked after doing that. Uh, and then that led to Collateral uh, not long after, you know, I know we're going to talk about. And that kind of led me down the path. Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask uh, actually my next question was going to be um how you came to be involved with Collateral and how you got involved with that production team. So what's funny is um 
on Pluto Nash. I did that. And then there was kind of a dry spell a little bit. And I, and I sent out randomly like a little portfolio of the, this is what I do with computer modeling in the 3d world. And like two or three years later, I got a call from David Wasco, the amazing production designer on collateral. And he had held on to this packet for like three years. And, um, and gave me a call. So it actually, it actually paid off. So, um, I, yeah, was, was hired on that as a set designer, you know, it was, it was early in my career. So, you know, well before I was into production design. So I had, you know, a somewhat limited role on that, but certainly a lot of exposure to everything. Um, and you know, David was like, one of the first, I've been really lucky that I've got to work with some of the top production designers in the business. You know, David did uh, all Wes Anderson's early films, Bottle Rocket and Rushmore. He did uh, Quentin Tarantino, Kill Bill, won the Academy Award for La La Land. And so I'm still friends with him to this day. Very nice guy. And, you know, along the way, you know, Rick Heinrichs on, on Pirates of the Caribbean, Don Burt is the guy that got me in the business, that got me in the union, who is David Fincher's designer and that I did Benjamin Button with and a couple other Fincher projects. And and Bo Welsh, I did Men in Black with, who did, uh, you know, Edward Scissorhands and Beetlejuice and Men in Black and, and amazing. So I, I've been really lucky, starting with David, that I was exposed to all these super way more talented than me uh, people. I'm curious before we dive into collateral, uh, how, whether or not your architecture background is more or less applicable to film set life than you thought it would be. Definitely. Um, you, you know, I think it's, it, it was an advantage for me, um, to have that kind of technical knowledge coming in and, and a lot of art departments liked that idea. Again, it was another you know, Avenue in coming in as a licensed architect because understanding structure, really understanding how things go together, you know, that's always uh, uh, a valuable skill set when it comes to the construction side of things. You know, so many complaints you get from the construction department is people really don't know how to build. They don't know, you know, they'll draw a pretty picture, but they really don't know how it goes together. So, um, so that, that was an advantage and again, kind of enabled me to work on bigger projects, like big, big, huge builds that involved, you know, structure and more than just, uh, you know, one by three flats, uh, you know, in, in a room. So you, you were talking about the great directors that you've worked with and collateral directed by Michael Mann. And I was wondering, did you have a lot of, if any, like communication with him or were you mostly just talking to production designer, David Wasco? Yeah, we definitely had interaction with, with, with Michael, you know, it's no secret that, that Michael is not the easiest director in the world that, and he has that reputation. So if Michael's listening, I'm sure he's not offended. Uh, but, um, Yes, he's... We hope he's listening. That would be very yes. flattering and surprising. 
he's he's definitely a perfectionist and um you know known for doing 30 or 40 takes uh you know known for kind of exacting on every detail so it, it definitely made it a challenging project a rewarding project um but you know as i've gone through my career and worked with a lot of amazing directors who don't work that way it, you you kind of realize that you know hey everybody has their own process and michael's made amazing movies and you know, I feel very lucky and privileged that I got to work on what I consider the last good Michael Mann movie that he's made uh, in in the last few years. Uh, so it works for him, but it, it definitely, um, I think there's an evolution in film, which is nice to see that that kind of a tour director, tough on everybody role. I, I just see a lot less of that now, you know. I just worked with, you know, all these amazing Marvel directors with Sam Raimi on Strange, with John Watts and Spider-Man, with, uh, you know, Chloe Zhao on, on, on Eternals and Destin Critton on Shang-Chi. It goes and, and all, you know, very nice, you know, a, a very different approach, uh, more collaborative, more um, kind of, you know, more open to the whole team collaborative process. So, yeah, so like one one example I could I could point out on on collateral um, and there's a few, but uh, we were coming up with the design for the um, for the cab top, the ad Mm. that's on top of the cab. And we knew this would be a very important element because the cab is half the movie. Um, And, you know, Michael was super demanding about just what was the color of the paint and the tints of the paint, and it had to have a particular blue in it. And so our poor graphic designer did like over a hundred different cleared ads, had a whole book of all these ads for Michael to choose from. And the day before shooting, he decided he didn't like any of them. And he ripped a Bacardi ad out of a magazine and said, I want this, which was not cleared, of course. So... I, I don't know what legal did to clear that. Who knows? Uh, but we had to create it like the night before and print it. There wasn't even time to print it, you know, at a print shop. So I had one of those big, large HP printers. So we printed it in-house on that, on paper, and slapped it up there. And that's what you see, you know, in the movie throughout. I wanted to ask, I mean, the movie is a very Los Angeles movie and a lot of scenes are just Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise driving around at night. And I was wondering, did you have to dress Los Angeles or were you guys kind of just because it's in the present day, allowing it to just be what it was? No, there is lots of dressing. I'm sure, as you know, talking to other designers that a location is never a location, you know, you're, you're always modifying it in some way. You're, you're changing graphics, you're cleaning up. Like, you know, there was a lot of murals that, that, which is prominent in the film. So we were, you know, Michael liked a mural somewhere and we'd have to paint a whole mural like on the, on one of the gas stations and then, or um, so every, and then every location, you know, there was multiple, obviously multiple locations like, when the body falls on the car, you know, 
one was, you know, there was an exterior, then there was a different alley for, you know, the other shot and it's all kind of stitched together. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah. There was definitely lots of, of modifications. Um, yeah, the, the, the whole, you know, it's, it's, I think one of the best portrayals of Los Angeles at night. And it was very intentional to find locations that were, unique that's not stuff you'd seen before that showed la in a very different way um and it it was there were really no storyboards on the movie as i recall it was our location manager who was michael kind of has this mafia group that it's like his new york mafia group of his his circle and one of them is this guy and he's been with him for years and he's the location manager, but he also kind of did these visual storyboards. So he's, he kind of went out and shot and kind of, you know, stitch it together in a kind of storyboard kind of way of, you know, the progression of the movie and the progression through the evening of how that goes. So that, that was a unique angle on, you know, coming up with the look, but you know, there was lots of scouting um, that I was not a part of with Tom being involved and, um all that so i guess i'm just curious about like the logistics of having a movie that involves so much like open driving and how that works with like resetting and stuff so are they just like driving in a circular route for every take and are they on a trailer and are streets closed yeah um um and again because i was not the production designer or the art director in this i was less involved but um, yes, you, you, you close the, you lock the street down and uh, I know there were tons of cars, ton, I think there were 17 cabs, something like that, that were built for that. And, and, and some cabs had, you know, they removed the engine and, and they put a camera rig, like when they wanted to get a, a two shot of Jamie and Tom, uh, from the windshield, they had a special rig for that that was outside then they had different ones for getting side shots. They had different ones for, um, you know, all that. So, um, th- th- yeah, there was all different kinds of, of vehicles that were used depending on the shot. And yes, you, sometimes you, yeah, you, you come up with, uh, uh, you allow, you have to always think about allowing for a loop. So, uh, you know, vehicles, Whenever you're doing a movie, it's something something to think about. <laughs> you got to make sure they, so you don't have to back them up, and they can come around the block and do it again. It's like Jaws. There's a left to right shark and a right to left shark. Uh huh. So one of the sets that I was interested in was uh, the scene where uh, Jamie Fox and Tom Cruise go into like the jazz room. Okay, if you could talk about designing that or working on that yeah that was my set actually mm. i designed that that set um oh, well. uh, and it was based on i think it was called fever and we used the exterior which is in koreatown in los angeles and we did our own version of it on stage and <clears throat> i know not to talk too much smack on on michael but uh, i do i do remember another um story where i think we were shooting on a monday and Michael came in the set on a Friday and there were all these kind of 
bands built into the set kind of reflective it was you know this highly reflective we wanted to you know make it um dark but reflective so you got a lot of kick and and it, and it had definitely a, a sinister you know korean vibe a little bit so there were these like bands with these silver accents built into it and i remember i, I think he wanted the bands move like three inches up and so they they had to rebuild the whole set that weekend and move like the bands three inches up for like shooting on Monday. To, to clarify, is this the nightclub or the jazz? Where oh no, this is meets? nightclub. Sorry, yeah, you're talking. Okay, about we were going to ask about that anyways. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the nightclub. No, no, you're talking about the jazz where the guys, um, um, yeah, shot, yeah, 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 in the head. Yeah, that was a location. Yeah, that was not a build. Okay. The nightclub was a build because you know we had so much destruction in that so so mm. the, the 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 jazz club was a, a location so our i mean you said that like the um that that was your set and is it like there will be five set dressers and they're all given like one specific set and then that's like your baby and then you just like you do mostly that but help out a little bit else on other stuff or how does I guess how is the division? Yeah. How is the division of labor? I guess is my question. Yeah, as a set designer, um, yeah, yeah, you're typically assigned a set. So you know, set designers assigned a couple sets. Art director manages the supervising art director manages everything, and then production designer, you know, is on top of that and is responsible not just for all that and locations, but you know, being also. Uh, you know, I know as you've talked to other designers, it's all about the entirety of the look of the film. So everything, props, you know, cost, uh, you know, a little bit of costumes and and, and set dressing. And, and the one other thing we've learned through production designers is that you're always designing the next thing, and that you're rarely on set watching your last. You're you're very rarely on set watching your last build be shot. Yes, you're working on the next thing. Which is a great, which is a good lesson for anybody who wants to go into production design. When you have a heavy night shoot like Collateral was, the beauty of being a production designer is you just show up, uh, open the set, and then you, you don't have to stay up all night with a crew. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a movie now and we're, uh, I'm in Bulgaria doing a movie and we're shooting a lot of nights and the crew is exhausted. We just did a turnaround to days. And, you know, luckily I stay on a, on a day schedule because the nights I'll have to, our crew calls at like seven thirty or eight and I'll show up and open the set. But then I get to sleep in my bed while they work all night in the rain. Is opening the set just literally like unlocking the door and like talking to the property owner or whatever. And just being like, you guys are good to go. Get in there, go shoot a movie. Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it's walking the director through a set. So whether it's location or a build, um, you, you know, you, you walk, uh, with the director and hopefully you've walked with the director prior to that, but you know, you're there for any last minute adjustments or says, Hey, I don't think this is working. Like let's swap out this artwork or I need this here. So you're there for those last minute, you know, changes and making sure it's, uh, you know, what, cause you know, movies are, 
you really don't see a set in its final form until just the instant before it's being shot for the most part, you know, that's not fully dressed, fully lit, uh, which is always a challenge on a movie that you're, you know, picking pink colors and, and designing without having the DP fully light the set until you, until he turns the lights on and you really see it in the proper lighting and you see it through the lens, more importantly, yeah, you know, you, you, the, the eye is very deceiving, you know, you, you always have to, you know, be thinking through the lens and how, what, what you're actually going to see, you know, on camera. Until you mentioned it, I never thought about it, but it was collateral, like all night shoots? It was pretty much all night. So it was brutal. You know, it was, it was brutal. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think in, and sometimes even when you're shooting on stage, like when we did that nightclub scene, you know, it, you would stay with the night um, shooting schedule because it doesn't make sense to turn over the crew yeah. to shoot right. during day, even though you certainly could shoot it during the day. Because you'd have to stage. reacclimate everyone's bodies, I, I would imagine. Yeah, so that's always a, a tricky one. That's, uh, I don't know how many first ADs you've talked to, but, you know, that's a really tough job on a movie of figuring out scheduling days, nights, crew, extras. You know, it's it's a massive logistical, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a tough job and I'm always very impressed with what first ADs have to pull off. Parth, Jordan, wasn't that a great interview with Clint Wallace? Part one. I love Clint Wallace. I love Tom Cruise and the movie Collateral. Collateral. Didn't his hair look so silly? Bond. I think we talk about that. Oh, yeah, we do talk about that. Or maybe that was a before air thing. Just just to break the ice with Clint Wallace. Uh, Yeah, this is part one of our talk with Clint Wallace. Uh, part two comes out next week. There's some good stories, some other movies that he's worked on. I mean, like we said, we still don't know what yeah, actually. Uh, happened I just, in I the guess, interview. I'm just assuming, you know, because I don't really remember. But Trent, before we tell people to go follow us on social media, go to like review us on Apple Spot, Apple Podcast, Spotify, um, and tell Probably, us to yeah. their friends and everything. Before mm-hmm. we do that, um, I have a funny story to tell you, and it relates to what I what happened. At my internship today. Well, not really so much about my internship. So today when I was uh, at New York Penn Station and I was waiting for the TV to tell what track the train was boarding at, yeah. um, I was waiting and I was like, like my my balance seems weird. Like what's wrong right now? And then I was, tried moving around and I was like, is the floor uneven? And I looked down. I was wearing two different pairs of shoes really Wait, i was literally gonna make a joke i was gonna make a joke and i i looked down in like disbelief and i was like this is like a cartoon character thing or like a like in a show they or in a sitcom type of like but like i i don't know how i didn't notice it but I I didn't. were they similar looking shoes no how- one is black and one is blue one has adidas written over it and the other has a nothing parth you, you, something's going on 
do you think I'm maybe overworked? Maybe maybe tired? Uh, That's what I'm implying. Or, did, yeah. or does it just have nothing to do with that? It was just the silly one-off gag. No, I think it's it, it it's a uh, it's a warning sign of a larger issue. Join us next week for part two <laughs> of our discussion with, with Clint, Clint Wallace. Wallace. Um, Banger alert! Se- yes, that's true. <laughs> wait, wait! Sound the alarm. What? Wait! Not the nuclear bomb alarm. Wait, no, no, no. I don't no, have no, the no. nuclear like, bomb effect. Banger alert! Like, you don't have the nuclear bomb effect? Nah, when would I ever use it? Fucking number. Listen to part two of our discussion <laughs> with Clint Wallace, Clint set Wallace. decorator of Collateral, next week. And um, other movies. Hey. And other movies. T- uh, Top Gun Maverick. John Wick, wow. Chapter 3, Parabellum. Um, Parts, do you like Top Gun Maverick? Did you I give it five like, stars? Do <laughs> I like you give, Top Gun Maverick? Did you give what it five an stars? an intriguing question. Did you? Maybe this will answer it for you. <laughs> I hate that song. I hate it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because you were doing that, and as it was happening, Brandon texted in our friend group chat to asking Jordan to pay for her utilities, and now she's sad. I'm not sad. I'm disappointed. You wouldn't <laughs> like Jordan when she's angry. Wait, Trent, you often say that to me. That you wouldn't like Jordan when she's angry? No, that like generally it's you wouldn't want to get Jordan angry, but somehow you always manage to. Wow, you're really cutting out some real issues. So that was just supposed to be a joke, but I felt some real tension there. That was interesting. Maybe we should talk about that. Anyways. Off the air. Uh, well, let's talk about it on next week's episode <laughs> of Clint Wallace, part two. How's that? How's that? Sounds good. Do you want to tell the people where they can find us? On the Instagram, Craft Services, uh, and also on Twitter, Craft Services Pod. Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, write a review, five stars, tell a friend. Enjoy yourself. You seem really into this recording, and that's what I love about you. Committed. All right. (laughs)